It is a great day in Colorado, everyone. Thank you for listening to Kafaru Cast. We have the great Levi Morgan and the great Justin Hanna on the horn today. Thanks for tuning in, everyone. What's up, guys? What's going on? Not much, man. What's up with you? Nothing on our end. We're just, uh, Frank and I were slightly nervous to have two great competitive archers like yourselves on, so just happy to get you on here. Yeah, as you should be. <laughs> the, the chances of getting Justin Hanna on a podcast are slim to none. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> this is the only podcast I've ever done. It's a rare occasion that you get the top four best archers in the world on one podcast. <laughs> yes, that's correct. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit that's funny uh actually greg and i talked about uh, i did one with pool yesterday and so his theory but that way i don't I, i'm prepared for the memes i get from levi was levi you will win once you get out of your own way and just shoot a 70 pound 3d bow for for vegas that was his opinion have anything to reply <laughs> yeah as far as vegas goes i don't know and i'm ever gonna win that shoot man i don't know <laughs> I, every year I go, I'm like, this is my year. I shoot, make the shoot off. I'm like, here we go. And then I lose. And I'm like, well, there's that. So, <laughs> uh, Justin, you won, you won, uh, 10 grand, didn't you? What was it? The, what's it, what was that called you won? Yeah, it was, uh, it was like a bonus shoot off thing. It's like an inside out deal. If you shot a 300 for the day, everybody qualified for that shoot off. And I got lucky and won it one time. So yeah, it's pretty neat. Yeah. He shot. He shot four inside outs in a row to win it, which is ridiculous. Oh, uh, man. Well, where'd that money go? Hunting fund or family fund? Well, I hadn't got it yet, but uh, I don't know. <laughs> I just bought a truck a while back, so I'll probably, you know, lift it, wheels and tires, all that stuff, probably. What'd you get? Uh, GMC Duramax with Denali. Oh, dang. That's not going to be cheap. You should get that Icon lift. That way the shocks cover about nine grand of the uh, the tin that you have. Oh. Yeah. I got an icon on my Tundra and one of the shocks went bad. It was $1,200 for a shock. I was starting to rethink how smooth that ride was, if it was worth it. But no, I was going to say, I saw Jacqueline eyeing them Louis Vuitton purses pretty hard out there in Vegas. That might be where that 10 grand's going to go. <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> no. Uh-uh. Your Samantha went in this high dollar grocery store. Only. <laughs> what uh speaking of high high dollar grocery stores do you guys have like whole foods and natural grocers and sprouts because i know i've been semi to the different necks of the woods and there's a lot of deep fried food and not a lot of health going on but i could be totally off yeah we got a we got a whole foods but we can't afford it. we don't shop there it's too expensive it's whole paycheck <laughs> <laughs> is what we call it here <laughs> i'm too tight for all that stuff Boy, he is. You ought to hear him talk to his workers. He's mean, too. He won't spend a dime. I mean, he won't no. spend a dime. The less you spend, the more you make on, on houses, so. <laughs> is that, do you flip houses? Yeah, I'm Yeah, I'm a GC, a, a contractor in North Carolina, yeah. We're looking at getting a new house, possibly, and um, there's been quite a few arguments between my wife and I, because I'm like, do we really want to spend $600,000 on a house to you repaint the whole f- flipping thing and dump 10 more grand into it can't we just get one that you like so we don't have to do a bunch more shit to it but i don't i don't think yeah. I'm, I'm not gonna win that battle probably not yeah we we bought our little me and my wife we got married we bought our first little house and that was the first thing we did was spent three thousand dollars on paint and repainted the whole thing i just was looking for acreage and 3d courses um and like the best shooting range i had and of course i didn't look inside the house very much as long as i had a big man cave but i uh 
it's handy. What living is for in the mountains is we do. We got a gym at the house and everything, so I can keep hammering and do all that kind of stuff each morning, which is good. But where, um, so where exactly, Levi? Where are you at then? Because I, I mean, I know, but I'm just south of Pittsburgh, so we don't have we. You know, our closest healthy grocery store is an hour away, so we just shop at the normal ones. You used to be a little. I can't say Justin because I don't know you as well, but. You used to be a little bit fluffy, Levi, and then you f- you got on Slim for Life or whatever, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, son, I was rolling them, them uh, husky, husky jeans when I was little, there's no doubt. <laughs> little? You were like 25. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> uh, yeah, dude, I weighed, I weighed 260 pounds at one time. Good. Did I you shoot like any better? Because it, you, yeah, the fat shooting thing. Good, you have better balance, man. <laughs> yeah, I had a great center of gravity, son. You couldn't move me. <laughs> I, I could aim like a rock. I was in a 3D course once, and I at one time I was not not um, the different phases of my knife, not the roided phase where I was 280, but I was like a solid 260 of Butterfingers and, and Mountain Dew. And there was five of us on a target, and we were all fat. And uh, this little kid walked by. I don't think he could have been 10. Was like, good thing there's not a weight limit on that target. And then, <laughs> <laughs> I think his parents may have put him up to that. But I was like, yeah, I need to go on a diet. It's it's hard, though, with the traveling to eat healthy all the time. It's terrible, yeah, man. It's terrible. Yeah. So just so everybody knows, um, I had these two fine gentlemen on the podcast earlier in the year. And due to technical difficulties and me being a dipshit, I erased like 48 minutes of it somehow. And it was right after or during elk season. And so we're going to have to reenact some of that. What had happened from what I understand is Levi had watched too much ER and tried to have surgery on his calf muscle by himself. And then Justin tried to give him a tourniquet to have a better chance of winning if they lost a leg. But that's just what I took from it. What actually happened? Well, what actually happened was Justin had killed a big bull, and we were just uh, starting to cape it out and quarter it up and stuff, and I was in a hurry because it was now my turn to hunt, and I ended up sticking an outdoor edge razor light all the way to the handle in my calf, and yeah, we applied a really redneck-looking tourniquet because there was blood going everywhere, and then did a scariest truck drive of my life i thought i was going to die from a vehicle crash not the knife wound who was uh, driving a guy named joe he, he was our he was calling for us. the guy that i get the tag from it was his nephew and so he just knows the ranch really well we were on and uh super good guy but god i, I think he was more nervous than anybody because he kept telling me just stay with me the whole time we're driving and i'm thinking i feel fine like am i dying like are you guys really think i'm dying like so it was kind of nerve-wracking because i was like maybe it's worse than i think maybe i am dying so i don't know keep looking back it didn't look good at all yelling if you're not first you're last when he was driving how fast did he get up to yeah i mean we were doing well over 90 on that dirt road had to be wasn't we just yeah, we caught we caught air a couple times in a full start of pickup, so it wasn't yeah. it wasn't too much fun. <laughs> no, and Shake Justin and was turned around backwards with his thumb shoved in the knife wound, trying to keep the blood from coming out. And I was like, "Well, I'm going to Instagram all this, see what happens." <laughs> well, for the greater good, you have to get it on the gram, or it didn't happen. From what, yeah, exactly. Nope, nope. 
<laughs> yeah, it's it's uh, I um, not to change gears, but it's fun. I just did a presentation for a a bow hunter, a traditional bow hunter's banquet. I I brought you up, Levi. You know, I, I know, right? But I was talking about the transition and how people, some traditional archers, can throw out some pretty, uh, whatever hate mail. And so I was like, you know, did the change my mind thing. I'm like, do you think it's good to send Levi Morgan hate mail about how horrible he is as a person for the greater good of traditional archery? I was like, did that help you personally because you were held too much as a child or did it really like take a larger step forward? Because I don't, I, I get a kick out of all that, but I don't think that people realize like m- maybe that long-term effect, especially it's a small, it's a small world, right? People talk and you... Obviously, you two are kind of in the middle of the thick of things on the tournament archery side as well as, you know, obviously hunting as well. So you were filming this for your show, right? Bow Life Levi? Levi's Bow Life, whatever it is? Yeah, this is Bow Life. Yeah, we were filming for it, yeah. And so did you get all that? Was anybody, did Justin, did you grab a camera for B-roll? No, I was, we actually had Cage, uh, Cage Golden. He was the camera guy. And he was sitting in the truck editing pictures and Levi cut his leg and we realized it was like go time, you know. We uh, basically just threw Cage out of the truck and made room for Levi, but we didn't get any. I didn't grab a camera or anything. <laughs> I wish we would have. It would have been a good, it would have been good B-roll, good footage. But Oh, it would have been, for sure. Cage didn't even know what was going on. They literally grabbed him, drug him out of the truck, and left him on the mountain while we drove off. Yeah. So he was just yeah. sitting there with a, with a laptop and a camera on the side of the mountain in New Mexico and... Nope, didn't know what was going on. Are you going to title this hunt when good hunts go bad, like when the good pets go bad? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what we're going to title this hunt. Oh, Boy, that was, just, that was a sketchy place we went to, that clinic or whatever, wasn't it, Levi? Emergency room. Oh, my God, dude. They didn't even numb me, man. They, like, <laughs> they brought me in, and this old lady come walking. I mean, it was literally the size of, like, my my master bedroom, the entire hospital. So, like, she walks in, starts digging around in the wound, sprays this saline all in it with her finger, and I've got a death grip on the bed. Like, I I was like, this hurts way worse than the actual stabbing of myself. Well, after a while, she walks out of the room, and the nurse in the corner goes, she numbed you before that, right? And I said, no, I ain't had not one bit of numbing medicine. And she starts apologizing, and then they bring in the the numbing medicine and shoot me full of it. I was like, it's too late now. Like, you might as well just sell me up, like, just raw dog, because it's this <laughs> Oh, Lord. Did it look like a lightning bolt when they got done stitching it? Oh, it was terrible, dude. I mean, she, she was this old lady was getting mad by the second because I wouldn't quit videoing it with my phone. And then I kept asking her, when do you think I can go hunt again? Like, how can, how soon can I walk on this, you know? And so the last thing she said to me was, if, if you can take the pain, I don't care what you do. And she walked out of the room. That's when I texted Justin and Joe and said, we're going elk hunting, boys. <laughs> yeah, so, I thought I had an extra elk tag. When all that happened. <laughs> oh, Lord. So... You ended up limping your way back in there, but before we we uh, get to you going back in and killing one, Justin, what happened with yours? That was that your first archery elk? I killed a little one uh, two years ago in New Mexico, but that was my first big one. But um, luckily, Cage and Gary, the like what Levi was saying, the guy that runs the tag, uh, they stayed with my elk and quartered it, and caped it out, 
took it to the processor and all that. So, yeah, luckily we didn't have to just leave it baking in the sun to ruin. Um, but, yeah, I still got I actually took it to the taxidermist uh, yesterday. Oh, gotcha. What what happened with the, with the hunt? Did far shot, close shot? What, what, what was the deal with all that? Well, I wounded a big one close the first day, and then – the third, I killed mine on the third day, and it was at like 90 yards. First time I ever seen Justin cry was when he, <laughs> when he hit that big one. High. You pussy. Dude, yeah. <laughs> How bad was it? He literally laid his face. He laid his face on the dirt. I watched it. I, I did. I thought I was. Because they didn't give me no steel, no nothing. I mean, nothing. We just got the truck and went to flinging arrows. So I felt like an idiot. <laughs> and I was like, I'm so. We hunted. I hunted two hours, and I was like, I'm done. I'm. I'm gonna be cameraman the rest of the week, and I'm done. <laughs> oh man, I tell you, it sucks too. Hopefully, you know the outfitter because uh, the story later on, and I can say this firsthand from being in lots of camps, won't be what you killed or Levi cutting his leg. It'll be this: the greatest traditional archers ever were here, and one of them shot one in the horn. That's the only story told. So hopefully, your buddies with those guys are you're gonna hear that story come back to you later. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there's yeah. no question. I only ask is um I don't I don't have TV I have a TV but I don't have cable and my phone went off the other day and said you're on Bowlife Levi or what Levi's Bowlife and I'm like yeah I think I fucked that up I don't think I am I um I didn't make it I I shot my deer too early so I'm like D- did you mention me or something on the video Oh yeah oh yeah I definitely called you out on there. And then I even said something about how good of a cook you are, I think. <laughs> <'Cause> you... <laughs> Did you mention the mass amount of food turned... I can eat? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, I didn't. I should have because it's impressive. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, That hunt and uh, Harder, you're, you're dull sheep, so I'm going to go with Harder in 2021 with the, with the recurve. I'm not sure how happy he is about that, but you shot a, an insane doll with um, well, his mutual friend Ryan Harder and the Lancasters. So he was telling me he was vomiting uncontrollably from nerves when you went on the stock. And I'm like, what? He goes, dude. Dude. (laughs) Go ahead. It was unbelievable how nervous he got, man. It was awesome because we had this system where when when I got up on the mountain, I could look back down in the valley and see harder. Like, I don't even know, like 800 yards away. And and he had a white sheet, and that's how we were going to communicate is – Whenever he got the white, laid the white sheet out, I was going to know the ram was up on its feet because I couldn't see the the ram. And uh, I kept looking back down, and I would see him, like, bent over double doing <laughs> something. And I'm like, what is he doing down there, man? Every time I look, he'd be in, like, a different weird position, like, on his stomach, bent over. I'm like, is he, like, trying to signal something to me? I'm, like, looking through my binos trying to figure out what he's doing. So afterwards, I figured out he was just barfing the whole time because he was so nervous. Yeah, that's what he was he was saying because I he was telling me about that, and I said, "Dude, I got to get a hold of Clay. I got to kill a doll with a stick bow." And uh, he's like, "Yeah, let's do it." And then like three days ago, he said, "It's really happening, Harry. You're on the list for 2021." And I was like, "You know, cool or whatever." So he and I are hopefully um, that's the plan anyway is for um, you know him to guide me, which will be cool i get to get along super well with him I, he was with me when i shot that that mule deer when we were with you so funny dude super funny yeah dude. he is man he's a lot of fun to be around was there a bit of a grizzly encounter on that doll hunt yeah i'm pretty <laughs> sure harder was 
I've never seen a, a, a human being that pale. He was almost see-through whenever we got back to him because he thought that I was dead. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he was yelling so loud, dude. And it kind of, I was like, what is he doing over there? Because we're stalking through the willows to get to the base of the mountain. And all of a sudden, Harder's like 300 yards away. And I can hear him yelling, stop, stop, you know. And I'm like, what? You know, and all of a sudden my camera guy goes, big effing grizzly, as loud as he could say it. And I look up and this grizzly's like, honest, like full charge, I thought, coming through the willows. And I was like, well, I'm dead, you know. I was like, my only hope is to get back to that clearing where Harder can shoot this grizzly off me if it, if it <laughs> you know, gets on me. Oh. And so I'm trying to just get to the clearing before I get my freaking back of my neck. I can feel the teeth sinking in any second on the back of my neck and... I didn't know Harder had already snapped a shell on it or whatever. He he short-stroked a rifle because he got so nervous because he could see this bear standing on his hind legs on top of it. <laughs> and uh, I come out of the end of the clearing by myself, and then Harder thought Hunter had gotten eight because I was by myself instead of with my camera guy. Little did he know I just left him in the in the heat and uh, left him in the dust. got out of there. <laughs> That's where you were yelling back, if you're not first, you're last. Oh, shit. <laughs> That's exactly right. But I knew that bear would still be hungry after he ate Hunter because he's pretty pretty small fellow. Oh, I, so. I, I remember Harder with his underwear down by his feet hauling ass because he, he had IBS or something for, I don't know, whatever. Anyway, the grizzly was in camp and uh, was scratching on the door of the shitter, right? And and then next thing I know, I'm I get up early and... I don't know, I'm walking in my underwear, and then I see Harder with his underwear, like literally at his knees, moving at a clip. And uh, then I see the grizzly back there, and it's pawing at the, the shitter wall, and I'm like, oh, he must have forgot the gun. Because that's kind of a rule. You don't, you're supposed to take the gun when you poop, which nobody ever remembers to do that. But that day, he probably should have. But it was good for me, because I'll never forget, because he's a big ginger, his... um red hair flying in the wind with his underwear behind it down by his ankles and a bear in the background. (laughs) Dude, that place is something else, man. The base camp is loaded with grizzlies. And, uh, yeah, that's the scariest poop you'll ever take in your life. There's no doubt. Yeah, there's a lot of – he's – that dude's fun. I don't know if you ever – did he tell you when he spit on my head at the keel camp? We were in the – I was on the lower bunk and he was on the upper one and – he looked down at me and he goes, you're worse than an effing mouse because I don't sleep, right? And then he went to spit off the edge of the bed and I was probably digging for food and spit right on the top of my head and I could just hear him go, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> he got, he's like, please don't hurt me. And I was like, dude, you're good. I was like, it happens. <laughs> he's he's super, super funny. And then we had this other guide, which once you know harder, he's pretty comical and I know there was an altercation between me and one of the other guides, and I I basically said, look, I'm going to stomp you into the ground right here. And harder, I had a paddle in my hand, which I probably would have needed because this kid could, like, close grip bench 500 pounds. Uh, Hart started yelling, E-L-E, everyone love everyone. Can't we just get along? And, I mean, like, this is the most tense moment I'm – you know, I'm literally ready to break this guy's arm. And Harder, as calm as could be, started reciting Talladega Nights or whatever the hell it was. But. <laughs> he's a good He's a good dude. That's Harder, man. Yeah, yeah he's a good guy. Yeah. He's fun to hunt with because he's not like – he doesn't in- impose 
everything he wants to do on you. You know, it's more of a conversation, and that's the kind of guys I like to hunt with. Like, you know, what are you thinking? And, and he'll bounce ideas off you. But then ultimately, you still get to hunt, you know, and that's what I like is, is getting to be a part of the hunt. I hate going places, and I pretty much refuse to go places where I'm just the trigger guy and people are like, this is what you got to do. And I'm gonna range it for you and tell you everything that you got, every move you got to make. I can't, I, I don't do well in those environments, and that's why I like hunting harder so much because I feel like I'm just hunting with a buddy. Well, know? and I got to He's just funny. So we spot my mule deer, and I'm like, hey man, I'm gonna drop down, kind of curve around to the left, and then I'll come up this whatever. And I'm like, what do you think? He goes, yeah, go ahead, do whatever you want. <laughs> he's just (laughs) he's just got that sense of humor and i was like well did you think you should do any should i do anything different he goes no no but uh yeah i just want to tell you that and i'm like all right cool man and he's just he's a super funny (laughs) funny dude but uh what uh you guys got anything planned this year um obviously i'm sure you're waiting for tags to come out but anything exciting I don't know. I don't have anything planned right now. Uh, well, me and Justin are still waiting to hear back from the guy in New Mexico where we went last year. I really want to go back there, but neither of us know if we're invited yet or not. No, dude. Uh, I, I tried and tried in Vegas with Gary, and he he was like, "Yeah, we'll uh, we'll let you know, man." And he never he never gave anything, so I just gave up. I was like, "Whatever, dude." <laughs> I think that's a good sign that maybe we're not invited, but I'm not sure. I've never been good <laughs> at that. <those>. <laughs> <laughs> mm. But, yeah, I'm I, I'm supposed to have a real – well, that same Utah elk tag I had last, last year that was unbelievable, and I couldn't wait to go back. And then Samantha has informed me that she has planned on, on taking that tag. So looks like I'm going to be calling on that deal. And then I know I got Wyoming mule deer – um, and then other than that, I don't have any crazy stuff planned. I need to go back and do another grizzly hunt because my last one got toasted with a rifle after my arrow hit it. So. Oh, gotcha. You drawn for anything yeah. exciting? Don't know yet. I'm waiting. I'm trying to draw a big corn tag in about five different states, and then uh, that's about all I'm putting in for it. Now, I have eight points in Wyoming for elk, so I'm, I could draw that right now if I wanted to probably. I'm, I'm trying to draw Unit 7 in Wyoming. You got Colorado points for, for Bighorn? No. Oh, all right, never mind. I was going to say I can help you out with that one. Frank and I will be here. So hopefully I'll draw this year. But Oh, really? I know, like, the tag I would want in Colorado is that one down out of the springs and the only residents can draw Yeah, that, that's I off think. the scar. That's like shooting cattle. That hunt is crazy, crazy hunt. <laughs> yeah, that's why I said that's the one I want. Oh, yeah, the one we're talking about <laughs> is not good. Yeah, you'll definitely be on the, the oh, Jimmy really? Crank diet. Like you're gonna lose some weight. It's a it's a bitch. It's bad. Yeah, because when I was in the Springs, I remember you know you can see those rams. They come right down almost into town, and I'm like, can you hunt those? They're like, oh yeah, you can draw that tag. And then I, they found out I wasn't from Colorado, and they're like, oh no, you can't. That's the resident only deal. So I never really knew of any good units in Colorado for non-residents for bighorn. Oh, gotcha. Yeah, they're. They're out there. Colorado just doesn't have. We got we got Rams, but there's certainly bigger in, in other areas. It's just it's such a rich man sport. I mean, you know, as far as the the Ram, you know, people are say they get addicted to sheep. Well, yep. they get addicted to poverty probably as well, unless they have a shitload of money because it's just expensive. Um, all of them. I mean, none of them. It's are, terrible. Yeah. Well, I I know. Yeah. Like whatever you know the the up in the NWT, which is one of the better places that you you've got a good opportunity. 
you know, to get one with a bow. I mean, there's other spots, but I, I mean, that is a, it is hard to describe the, the beauty of that area, not to get all Donnie Vincent on everyone, but that area truly is breathtaking, that North Country. Yeah, it is. It is. And it's, it's got a lot of rams in it. You know, when I went to Alaska for a doll, because I could do it like for half the price, I went to Alaska to try to get it done with my bow. And man, Alaska is just, ah, it's not bow hunting friendly in a lot of those places where the sheep are like I, I killed a big ram like a 40 inch ram but it was with a rifle at 365 yards and i couldn't get a step closer you know on the last day and it was like we hunted that ram all week and we saw 30 some rams and not one of them were remotely close to where you could kill it with a bow i mean they lived on a shell face that was like three miles long and there was no cover you know so that's when i realized i was going to have to go to nwt to probably get it done not saying you can't get it done in alaska but it's a lot harder yeah and i i mean obviously right place right time i'm you know it happens but right i um yeah i'm really wanting to try and shoot one with my with the the stick so we'll see i know i've had a ton of people bugging me to start doing videos frank and i have just tech tips and tutorials and bow setups and i'm sure i'll get hatred from the traditional archery community if i start doing that but i'm, I'm gonna actually have to get a compound at some point soon and start doing the, doing those types of videos just the info or whatever people ask enough it's it's worth it and i tried to talk you into doing a podcast but you didn't want to i don't know what's up with that the great you, you could justin could be your co-host yeah, it would be cool. We just we just make fun of each other the whole time. Nobody'd ever learn anything. Well, there's nothing wrong with that either. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> we've, been, we've been pretty brutal to each other here lately. Oh, yeah, dude. Oh, you should have heard it. You want to know why I don't have any confidence in Vegas? You just come hang out with our group of friends for a minute. They don't... <laughs> they don't let anything go. I mean, we no, show we don't up... Get to, no, slack. no, we show up to practice there and... Uh, what was it? Oh, no, the first day for score, I shoot a 300 with 23 X's, which ain't a great X count. And we go, everybody's talking after we're done. Everybody, all the whole group shot 300s, all our friends. And we're just hanging around. Everybody's cool, you know. Justin goes, how'd you shoot? And I said, good, I shot, you know, struggle, but I got him. I said, 323. And he just kind of looks at me and goes, are you going to go practice? <laughs> and I said, I said, No. I'm not. I'm going to eat. And then he had this look on his face like, oh, okay, well, whatever then, you know. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. just constant tearing down of each other's confidence just, just to see how mentally tough you really are. That's good to keep you grounded, I guess. <laughs> you wouldn't want to survive or oh, yeah. surround yeah. yourself with people that always tell you how cool you are because then you think whatever you do is perfect, and then that never seems to pan out. Although that does happen frequently in the industry, I've come to find out. you got to have a few guys to call you a you know, a dumb shit every now and then. My my core group of guys, both Clay and Bart, uh, Lancaster will not let – I missed, I don't know, I, I missed that mule deer in the high country and Bart texted me. He doesn't even have Instagram. It was from one of his clients that I missed a big deer and he texted me and said, you can't talk to me until you actually kill something. You suck too much. And I was like, ah, fair enough. <laughs> thanks, thanks, buddy. And then I, I shot that Wolverine. He texted me. He's like, we can talk again. And I'm like <laughs> – what a yeah. Dick. Yeah. We got one buddy, David Hauser, that I, he he literally he don't talk to us much anymore, does he, Justin? No, he uh, yeah, I don't think he knows how to take it. Sometimes he takes it too personal. But yeah, he's yeah, he uh, works. He's been grounded. He works. Yeah, <laughs> he works real hard at it, and so he missed on his what his last day. 
eighth end or ninth end for score, and he missed. Yeah. And he, he shot a two ninety nine with 29 supers. And, dude, that poor kid looked like he wanted to go jump off a bridge. And I don't think it was from missing. I think it was from the hell he knew he was going to have to pay from all his friends. <laughs> good, yeah. And for those exactly. who've never met David Hauser, he dwarfs Greg Poole in size. He is a giant of a man. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, how tall is he? He's like 5'4", like right? He's a little dude. Yeah, with high heels on. Yeah, he, he can shoot. He can shoot though. He's he's about the nicest guy in the world. He's not true. I, I hate to say anymore. Yeah, he's yeah got, he, he is. He good. doesn't know me well enough, and I'm going to get in trouble. But you guys remember on Dairy Queen, Dennis the Menace? That's yeah. what he reminds me of. Is Dennis? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hope he doesn't listen to this. Uh, dude, yeah. David is, uh, he's one of the best. There's no doubt. He just got to learn how to finish the game. But yeah, I was the best man in his wedding, which I can't believe he let me give a speech <laughs> in front of all the people he cares about. Because he knew how I was going to open that up. You know, I got to talk about how tiny he is first. first. And, uh, and his, uh, and his wife, the, the wife's maid of honor, maybe, for being short too. I oh God, it, it was. The, yeah, the the matron of honor speech, the maid of honor, and the best man speech was all about how short David was. <laughs> and you fired yours. You fired from the hip on yours, but you didn't write nothing down. Just, no, I don't take notes. I just speak from the heart. Son. If, it, if I take it, it comes out. <laughs> That's funny. Well, hopefully he doesn't listen to this, but the way this podcast travels, I would imagine in, in the solid 16 hours after it's posted, one of us is going to get some kind of a text that won't be good. Hopefully you guys, because he doesn't know me that well. Oh, yeah, he'll text yeah, he us. Can, there ain't he can text Yeah, that's yeah. funny. <laughs> yeah, that's about as mild a punishment as David's had in a group text from us in about two years. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yeah, and David quit hanging out with us in Vegas for a little while, and, they, and so I was the uh, – I was the new David as far as getting made fun of. They found, they went into everything about my life and made fun of me about something at some point. I tell you, you are a bit more of an open target from the South I've come to find. Uh, unless you're from Oregon, you get made fun of for logging. But uh, I don't know what it is, but like I generally have a PhD in talking shit, and uh, the Southern boys must start young because I have to stay on my toes. You guys have got it down, um, or at least the ones I've hung out with. Yeah, yeah. I just no uh, I don't hold nothing back. I, whatever I don't have a very good filter, so whatever I think, most of the time it it comes out. So just yeah. letting you know, if you ever get a podcast and have that issue, just be prepared for some hate mail because I'm speaking from experience. That filter is important. Oh yeah, I guarantee <laughs> it. Yeah, yeah. But that's why so many people listen too, because they know they're getting a, your true feeling. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. How many people <laughs> have asked you what I'm like? You know, whatever, after we... Uh, a lot. I was curious. People ask me about you, but I'm like, oh, he's the same as you think. He's just probably funnier because he's not quite... You know, I said, he's the same guy you see, but I, I was curious how many people pestered you about me after we hunted together. It seems to be a common thing. If I hunt with somebody, they'll call me like, Jesus, I had about 50 people ask me about you, and I don't know if it's good or bad. I, I Probably because I don't smile very much, I've probably taken not to be as lighthearted and funny as I am. A lot of guys, man, uh, that's God's honest truth. I, I got to ask about you probably more than anybody. I think it's because people may not know how to take you, and they, they're like, how, uh, how is Aaron? You know, is he, is he like a jerk, or is he like cool to be around? I'm like, no, he's, he's a straight-up jerk. No, but I did get asked that a lot. And, and did I tell you about when I was hunting down in, on that public land in New Mexico that time, 
and that game warden stopped and checked us. And he had mine and your podcast playing in his truck as he was checking my license. And when he looked at my license, he's like, wait a minute. I'm listening to you and Aaron Snyder right now on a podcast. It was the weirdest thing, dude, when he pulled up to check me. And I could hear myself in his truck talking. I was like, okay, this is freaking me out right now. I, I tell you, the amount of game wardens that listen have made me really cater more to being nice to game wardens in case something ever happens. I don't want to be there. Well, we're not sure if he's guilty or not, but uh, he doesn't like game wardens. He's guilty. Right. So, yeah, I've, I've definitely – there's a lot of game wardens <laughs> that listen to the podcast. Yeah, for sure. And this dude was a cool dude, too. I mean, he was like, hey, if you want to know anything, I'll take you. I know where some giant bulls are at. And I was like, heck, yeah, man. If I ever come back down here, I'm hitting you up for sure. Yeah, that, that's, that's so, cool. I think, I think his name was Troy Woods, and he's probably going to listen to this one, too. But he's a good dude. He's one of the good ones. No, no, that's cool. And, I, I again, that's kind of my thing on – Game Warden, some of them are really good, and and then like anything, uh, some of them, you know, you know, maybe not so good. But it, uh, I don't, I right. just try anymore. Like I just, man, we have to be so careful because you can, the fishing game laws are not the easiest in the world to to read and understand anyway. So you can screw up whether you mean to or not. It's not that difficult. You really got to dot the i's and cross the t's. Yeah, I always said, man, if they really want to get you for something, they can get you for something. I mean, and that's just the way it is. And the problem is it changes so much from state to state. And as many states as we hunt, you better be reading a rule book on your way to that state because it's probably a lot different where you're coming from. Even as simple, I shot a, a rattlesnake, and I'm like, hey, can I shoot this? I, I We can eat it. And uh, I, I was like, Amy wanted to try it anyway. Well, shit, we had to, like, rattlesnake round up the snake while we broke out the fish and game laws to make sure I wasn't breaking a law. And we'd seen, I don't know how many snakes that day. This one happened to just be a big one. And, uh, you know, you don't think about it, but, you know, next thing you know, you're eating snake with a, you know, 15-point fine and a $500 ticket for shooting something there's too many of. So I, we're, like, sitting there Googling it while everybody's trying to surround the snake so I can shoot the damn thing make sure it's legal, which it was, by the way. Any game wardens listening, <laughs> it was legal. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shoot. I know it. Yeah. So the um, just because people ask, what uh, setups-wise for both of you guys, kind of go over your target, well, your rough target setup because I'm sure you got multiple target bows, and then your, your hunting bows and what you guys are using for broadheads, arrows, all that stuff. Go ahead, Jeff. Um, for tournaments, I shoot the TRX 40 and I shoot that for, I'll shoot that for everything. And then I shoot B-Stinger stabilizers, a 30 up front and a 15 up back. And I have no idea how many weights I've got. And Scott release and CB sights and I shoot Easton arrows and it just depends on what venue, you know, like super drives for 3D or aluminums for indoors, stuff like that. So, um, I try to keep it pretty similar throughout all the different tournaments and hunting i hunted with a traverse last year uh same deal b stinger scott cb uh, and i hunted with easton hex arrows uh and the the levi morgan special edition swacker broadheads whoop, whoop. <laughs> yeah yeah and i need i need some more of those i need some more of those by the way just whenever you can no big deal yeah they're uh <laughs> Thirty nine ninety nine, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Walmart. Walmart sells them every day. I know what yeah. Is it, isn't, is it Jackie Bushman? What was the guy? Who owns that? I can't remember. Uh, the owner of Schwacker. I just saw him on TV when we were down in Texas. Oh, the owners Keith Kelly and Hank, Hank Parker. Parker. Yeah, he. I, I think he was in Texas because his cell phone went off, 
and uh, he was shooting some giant, giant ass deer, and it heard it vibrate and ran off. And I was thinking, I think that's the dude that owns Schwacker, or one of them. I wasn't wasn't sure. I thought it was. Yeah, it is. That, the place they hunt in Texas is it's the it's probably the best low fence place in Texas, and it's it's ridiculous. They shoot mega giants. Yeah, well, the one he killed was a, definitely a a mega giant for for sure. The um, but what uh, Levi? What do you got? What do you what are you running other than all the Levi Morgan? I'm running. We don't I don't hear about tack veins and shit. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm running uh, the same indoor. I was running a TRX 40, same as Justin. Uh, I was shooting it on 70 pounds. Um, I was shooting 80 percent mods on it in- indoors, which I feel like I aim a little more loose with under pressure because I don't have as much holding weight on the back end. Uh, practiced great with it, but it didn't work as well under pressure as I'd hoped. But then I was shooting gold tip triple X's with 200 grain points and a 3.75 tack driver vein. Shooting bee stingers, 30 inch front bar. I was shooting nine on the front and 25 on the back, uh, and a 12 inch bar on the back. And I'm shooting that Sherlock Carbonic Sight QAD rest. I shoot a four power lens and a one clarifier for pretty much everything and then outside I, and, oh and then in vegas i shot a true fire synapse which is a thumb button and had some demons jump on my back in the shoot off so now i'm shooting the sear which is a hinge and believe me justin and all my friends have made fun of me and sent me target <laughs> panic memes ever since vegas so so now I we needed a new thumb, a new thumb peg because he, he broke the, he broke that one off that he had Uh, so outdoors now i'm shooting a trx 36 is what i've got set up now with x cutters 170 grain points i think my airway is 450 grains and i'm shooting at about 295 went down in vein size to a 275 tech driver and then same sight uh same lens setup 30 inch front bar with i think i'm shooting seven on the front of this bar and 21 uh, on the back. Pretty similar setups, just kind of a mini version of my indoor setup, really. Hey, what, and made hunt- you, what made you switch bows? Sorry to interrupt. What made you shoot the 36? I was just curious. Well, I could get more speed out of it, and I know, like, I can only shoot so fast, but my, you know, I can shoot a way heavier arrow at 295. I can get 295 yeah. out of my 40, but I can shoot you know, a way heavier arrow at 295 out of my 36 and in the wind and even holding up down range. I just felt like it always done better for me outside to be able to shoot a heavier arrow. So that's, that was the reason for, and I feel like some of the best rounds I ever shot was with like a 35 to 36 inch bow. So I, for some reason, really shoot that axle to axle bow real well outside. So I may be shooting a 40 by the end of the year, but you know, I'm going to yeah. start with this 36 and see what happens. Gotcha. What about your hunting bow? I shot a VXR, which is a new one from Matthews this year, the 31 and a half, uh, the carbonic sight, but I shot a five pin on a mover. Um, I shot uh, the Velocity Pro 300s from Gold Tip with my Swacker broadheads and a 275 tack driver. Uh, I shot. I shoot the Nocturnal Nocturne. I just like a lighted knock. And I always used to have trouble finding one that tuned very good, but I really like the new Nocturnal. They tune great, and they're pretty dang consistent uh, between one another. I so. got to talk about the Nocturnal situation. So like a dipshit, I posted something about trying Nocturnals, and I knew better 
I knew better because I got four million replies from everything. They're the greatest to they suck. And so, as you guys know, I test everything. So I went down and I, I bought, well, I bought three different tri- types. The I kept calling it the glory hole. The glory knock, which is uh, had something to do with <laughs> <laughs> something to do with the the guy had something to do with nocturnal i know right and then uh yeah. the luminoc and and so what i noticed is people that promote the one really highlight what it's good at but what they leave out is if your serving's not big enough on the on the glory knock it comes on while you're at full draw which blinds you uh, and then when you get your serving right. big enough, you can dry fire your bow depending upon the axle to axle and then basically the V, how tight it is. It will pop out once it gets over that, gets out of the throat, the way that that works with where it pinches in, it's rounded. So once it passes the point of no return, it just shoots out. Yeah. I found that out the hard way by dry firing, testing the durability of my bow a couple times with those. And then when I get the serving small enough, the, the, it would come on. I tested all of them, and uh, I should have just listened to you in the beginning, but I was like, huh, people sure do have a way of leaving out really important shit when they're promoting stuff on YouTube because no one mentioned any of that. They just mentioned how you can turn it off easy, and I'm like, well, that's good. Glad I can turn it off after I'm blind from shooting something because it certainly comes on at full draw. (laughs) After you drive by your bow, you can bend over and pick your arrow up and turn your knock off easy. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) And that's the thing where it's like, I don't know, Frank and I, when we talk about gear, I mean, nothing's perfect, so we just try to highlight what's good and, hey, this is what's bad, and my God, these people are going off, and I'm thinking, you know, this is the shit that makes people waste money. If if a guy bought, let's say, 12 of them, which I don't know what they are, 40-something bucks, and, you know, it would come on when he went to full draw. Last time I checked for Cracked Out Deer in Alabama, that is extremely counterproductive in low light to have this giant light <laughs> fling on when you hit full draw, so... <laughs> so you th- you think you guys are going to come down uh try and go out at hunting i would love to I, do that yeah i'd be down that looks fun for sure it's a hoot it, it's pretty fun we'll have to try and work something out justin you better you better bring a whole tube of arrows there are a lot <laughs> See, smaller yeah, that's the stuff that's the stuff you'll never lose down so i got plenty of arrows uh, i did i don't need more but i'll bring plenty yeah if we could stop in new mexico and pick some up off that ranch if we run out. <laughs> yeah I'm, there's a pile of broadheads laying out in new mexico they better not take any tractors or anything through there for a while They'll have more flat tires. <laughs> I can't say too too oh, much. I I missed eleven times before I killed that one from multiple different reasons. Uh, most were good shots. Some were not. It it's just difficult with that stick. But I mean, I that one I killed was a a monster. But what was cool, my my wife just started hunting, and she'd never spot and stalk. She just hunted from the blind or whatever. And so I try not to hunt with her. Just like doing, I would try not to do a home remodeling project with her because she's Italian and uh quite feisty with enough coffee or alcohol in her and so hunting is really no different right so i'm trying to have my buddies help her well this time you know it's two people we were on a big group of them my buddy shot one and you know i yanked her arrow out of her bow and i said you know i didn't want to run it with it and i was like all right we're going to get over here this is going to happen and uh we get like 20 yards from the edge i was like they will be right here she's like well how close i'm like i'm not a fucking wizard They'll be below there. I don't know how far they are. Just be ready. I'll, I'll call off the yardage. She's like, well, how far do you think? I'm like, two to 70 yards. I have no idea. Just be ready. 
Well, <laughs> yeah, it was. It's, she got one. Um, she did good. I was. I was proud of her. She's. Uh, she was. She's like, man, I see what your friends talk about when there's blood in the water and you're around. You are a different person. And I'm like, well, I'm not mean, am I? She's like, you are very direct and you are very goal oriented. And I'm pretty sure you would have jumped off that cliff to make sure I got one. And I'm like, yeah, I have that issue. That does happen. You know, she'd never seen it before. So. <laughs> That's awesome. That she killed one. Yeah, yeah, I was, ex- I was excited. That is, that's no doubt. I mean, those things ain't easy to hunt with a bow, from what I hear. I mean, they're. I mean, it ain't like hunting a freaking whitetail out of a tree stand. For sure. It's just uh, we got lucky. It snowed two days, and they were super hungry, so they're coming out of the the Polidero Canyon up to try to get to the wheat fields. And we got on the edge of the the wheat yeah. field, and they they actually fed. I had both of them, and I'm like, this is never going to work. We're not going to drop two bombs at one time. There's too many. There's, you know, rams in there. And and I, I said uh, to my buddy, I said, hey, Amy, are you okay, you know, if if, if he shoots? And she's like, yeah, I don't care. I said, I'm gonna, you need to drop one so we can kill this other one. They're going to run to the cliffs. And I, I'm trying to call out which one. I'm like, there's one. He's bald. I said, she's – because they had you tags, or they were, we were trying to shoot yous. And I'm like – all right, he's bald, or she's bald, and I said, she's like 13. He's like, how can you tell? And I'm like, all right, we don't have time for that right now. Just shoot the one that's bald. And uh, that that one saw him draw, and they blew out, and they got in this thick brush, but it was plenty enough for us to get in the middle of them. And then he ended up getting a shot and killing one at 78. And then at that point, I'm like, oh, we're, we're good, because they get down in those crazy cliffs and regroup. And then I'll move into the bedding area. Yeah. So if I knew if we sprinted up there quick enough, we had a good chance of getting one. And right when she shot, it hopped from one cliff edge to the next, and she hammered it right in the butt. I mean, straight. And I'm like, ooh, <laughs> you hit it in the butt. I'm like, You're, we're good. And she's like, what do you mean we're good? And I'm like, there's a femoral artery. You hit it. She's like, how do you know? I said, well, it looked like a whale running off with blood. I'm like, we're good. It's going down. Don't worry. And she's, you know, super paranoid. She, and I'm like, it's like a heart shot, honey. Don't don't worry. We're, we're good. Oh, so, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was exciting. She was super jacked up. Yeah, for sure. I want to go hunt those things, man. They look they look super cool to hunt. They're, they're wild. That that one I ended up getting was, I mean, he's an old ram. I don't know. He's like 30 inches. And, and uh, it just, I just got my ass beat like a rented mule. Try, you know, I was fitting in time between guiding and helping, and, man, I shot one in the horn. I missed with the same ram four times in one <laughs> sitting, moving in and out of the group. And I just, it was, I came back, and Amy, my quiver's empty. I look like Eeyore on Winnie the Pooh with the cone of shame on. I'm like, I, did, I didn't hit one. She's like, we saw you shooting. I was like, I saw me shooting, too. I didn't hit shit. <laughs> I was glad it was her there because it would have been not good if you guys were there because it was, I mean, truly, it was no, bad. That's awesome. And every time I'd text Scott, come get me, he'd text me back, you sure you don't want to grab my compound? <laughs> Dude, don't, don't make it worse. You're adding fuel to the fire. Oh, jeez, man. That's awesome. No, it's fun. It's fun. But what, Um, just so we're almost at an hour Talk a little bit uh, technical stuff because people probably tune in here and think they're going to learn something, and they really haven't learned shit yet. Um, so one thing with, with Levi, I, I don't know how many pro shops got a hold of me. You did a video on the way the arrow rotates out of the bow to match the vein, whether you're shooting offset or helical, to match the way the arrow naturally rotates out of the bow. I don't know how many crises have you caused, by people thinking they were going to get worse, but it was a pile. 
Like, I don't know how many guys I answered. I'm like, were you shooting good before? Yeah. Well, don't change shit. You're fine. But guys were stripping off veins. So what is that? From my experience, it's the way the string twists. If it twists left, the arrow rotates one way. If it twists white, rotates the other. But the theory is basically where your your helical or your offset isn't fighting against the natural rotation of the bow. Is that what it is? Or the arrow, I mean? Yeah, so I figured that out doing some slow-mo videos. Because, dude, growing up, I shot a right helical on everything. One, all kinds of stuff with a right helical. So I, I, I'm not saying that it don't shoot well. I'm just saying that it bugged me. Whenever I watched my arrow come out of my bow and start turning left, then stop, and then go back to the right. And I was like, why did, you know, I saw that, and I kept rewinding it and watching it, and I'm like, what in the heck is happening? So then I realized that the bow itself launches the arrow naturally in one direction and 99 percent of right-handed bows launch an arrow left because of the way the string's twisted and the opposite goes for a left-handed bow most of them are going to launch it right and so in my mind i just didn't want my arrow to start rotating one way then knuckleball when there'd be a point down range where it wasn't spinning at all and then start spinning back the other way so uh yeah so i just Fletch all mine according to how my bow naturally launches them. So I would take a silver sharpie with a just a bare shaft, and then I would mark it at the very top, and then shoot it at like two yards, and it'll it, that mark will be left or right, and it'll show you how your arrow's launching out of the bow left with a left turn or with a right turn. So once it launches, it just continuously turns in that direction as long as you fletch it that way. So. That's what I was saying, and it's called clocking the arrow. I guess some guys have done that before. I figured that out because I got, like, a couple messages like, hey, I did that way before you did, which maybe they did. I was just saying. And then I I had, like, a 100 shops, like, beg me to not ever say that again because people wanted to place their arrows different and all this stuff. So. <laughs> you know who Bob, have you heard of Bob Fromm? He owns Performance. Oh, okay, yeah, so yeah. I talked to Bob yesterday to get on the podcast, and he was like, I had heard of you some, and I had known of you and stories. He said, but when I really knew of you is you made my life a living hell. And I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, do you know how many people were coming in with 60-pound bows with a 27-inch draw length saying they needed to shoot a 550-grain arrow because you said? And I'm like, I didn't say that. I said I shoot 85 pounds to 90 in a 550-grain arrow. I didn't tell everybody they needed to join in. He's like, well, let me tell me how many guys I've had to talk off the ledge because we could only get their arrow to weigh 425 for size issues. (laughs) I was like, sorry, dude. He's like, never, ever, ever say anything like that again, ever. And I was like, all right, dude, I won't, I promise. But I, I don't realize, you know, like I don't, you know, the the potential repercussions at the time, but I certainly realize them later. It's everybody sending me hate mail about something. I say things sometimes, and after I get done, I'm like, man, I should not have said that because I'm going to hear about that for the next six months. Anyway, it's hard to stop at once it starts coming <laughs> I, out. I was telling, uh, well, we had Phil Mendoza. You went over to his shop come in because his guys, I don't think, were overly thrilled because I was talking about if you buy cheap arrows to spin them, cut the bad ends off, and if it's down to 28 27 inch arrow it's actually you know the run out is closer to 0.001 and the 003 that you bought well then phil's like yeah guys expect me to do that for free he's like look you're paying for a limited service we're not going to spend 
every arrow for that minimum cost and cut both sides down. And I was like, sorry, man, sorry. And then that followed up by again, 50 to a hundred guys. Like you think I have time to spend everybody's arrows? I'm like, well, I was meant for them to do it. I didn't mean you to do it. So yeah, it causes problems. (laughs) Next you need to do one on how you got to shoot every single arrow through paper, bear shaft, mark it, then shoot them all through paper, fletched. Gillingham went all through that shit with me. I'm like, yeah, Tim, I don't have time for that. He's like, I'm going to send you. And he's like, then Noctune everyone until they tear the same exact hole. And and I'm like, yeah, I I, I get the principle of it, Tim. There's no way I'm doing that shit. I'm like, I don't, and especially now with a stick bow. I mean, being realistic, which I've ruffled feathers with this. If you can't hit a stop sign at 30, how much is it actually going to matter that it's, that you can even tell? Uh, you know, torquing some of this stuff, like a guy's like, yeah, I, I shot really way better with four inch veins than I did three. And I'm like, or feathers. I'm like, well, how do you know your group is the size of a small island? Like, how would you know one was better than the other? You <laughs> <laughs> uh, went from a beach ball to a basketball size. Well, it's just, that's guys saying that yeah. they can tune fixed blade broadheads at a hundred yards. Um, meaning to fly with their field right. points, maybe, but you can't. Wind drag is a bitch. You can't get around it. And so I have a hard time believing guys that are telling me that because that has not been my experience past 80. It's it's a crapshoot. And you may just have to drop your pin because of the wind drag, but getting them to hit at that distance, you know, field point and that much wind drag, a fixed blade does. And some of that stuff I think is internet hyperbole. Is that the word? I think they're For full sure. of shit is what I'm saying. It's sure, the easiest yeah. way to describe it. Yeah, they are. That's 100% right, man. I, I have never, ever had a fixed blade broadhead hit right with my field points at 100 yards. And to be honest, I mean like twice in my life with setups if I had mechanicals to hit right with my field points at 100 yards. Strictly because they always have some kind of wing blade and it's always dragging more wind. So if it ain't hitting a little lower, then something's wrong with your bow. You know, just period. Something's yeah. going on. Yeah. Because it should be dragging more wind than than a field point, you know. But I've, I've got a, a couple times to hit at 80, um, or real, real close yeah. anyway. And after that, man, you know, and, and I always make fun of this as an internet group or an internet score, or this is the real score, not the internet score. Some of the groups you see people post at 80 yards – if they truly shot like that, especially all the time, you know, they would be in the Olympics or, or um, certainly shooting on the... Right. Oh, yeah. Because what would you say, both of you guys, right now, on a bet, what would you say your average group is at 80 yards with a hunting bow? I'd say probably... Probably three to four inches. I mean, that's a good group, you know, like... Like, yeah. like average... Yeah, I would yeah, say... Probably. Bet your left testicle average, if you have one. For me, uh, yeah, I mean... Six-inch group. Yeah. All right. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's uh, I can definitely keep them in a six-inch circle. <laughs> like, yeah. if I yeah. got to bat one of my nuts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and so a six-inch circle is like the size of a cantaloupe, basically, or a, a little bit bigger than a softball, about like a softball, which is about as good as anyone can can get. And, and most people, even if they had the ability, don't have the tuning ability, or let's say they could tune, they don't have the physical ability. So to get all those things to coincide with each other, it's, there's just very few people that, you know, can do it. I'm more like a, on a, if I had to bet a testicle, it's a pie plate, right? I, I wouldn't want to throw the, the, 
the cantaloupe might make me lose a nut. I just don't know that I could do it. On good days, I'm well inside that. But if you pulled me off the street and handed me my bow and said, shoot a cantaloupe at 80, I'd be a little nervous. I'd lose a body part, right? So I would be, too. That's a goddamn truth. I would, now that you say that, I would be nervous. I was thinking I had, like, four practice ends, you know. So, yeah, yeah, if you got a raw dog, <laughs> I, I wouldn't want to shoot the basketball. Uh, I don't know that I'd bet my nut on a car hood at 80 <laughs> uh, on the street because, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I just, uh, you know, the, the everything, everybody's always perfect online type of a deal. It gives people kind of false idea of uh, what they should be striving towards. Which I'm, everybody wants to strive towards a golf ball, but the reality of it is, is sometimes if you bought your arrows off the rack, they're probably not maybe as good as they're going to be if you made them yourself or, you know, you got all kinds of tuning. A lot of people can't, you know, set up or bow, tune an arrow. And so all of those things come into play. And the reality of, of some dude knowing he does, you know, shooting baseballs over and over at 80 is just not, it just doesn't happen. And I'm sure there's people listening oh, right yeah, now to thinking you're full of shit, you guys are lying. Well, we can bet you're not on a cantaloupe, and I'll put the money down. I guarantee you're not going to do it. I mean, not not consistently. I'm not going to do it. I'm not betting my nut on anything, just period, because I don't want to. You've I, already got an know, alpha team. You thing, don't need another kid. you got enough, right? I, <laughs> well, it's one thing. I don't like needles, and I don't like scalpels, and, and I've, you know, I've already stuck one of those in, in myself. I'm not and what if Justin's that, there, and he tries to jam his thumb in it to stop it to bleeding? That would be awkward. Yeah. <laughs> it's more or less the nicknames I would get after after losing a, a testicle from my friends. Yep. That, there goes that there goes a single shot. Yep. <laughs> I have a I have a story about that. We had a guy in the army and his name was Tim Barker and in the army, you know, everybody did so then he became Bob Barker. The thing we were in Panama and he got stung by an elephant flea which gives you elephantitis or some kind of flea, then his name changed to Big Nut Bob because that thing got like nine inches long. Like he could sit on a chair and hang it over. Oh, my God. So the moral of that story is don't let fleas bite you in Panama. But, um, yeah, I'm sure with losing one. And then our buddy Jeremy, this is serious, but it became funny later, he got testicular cancer. And so, you know, before he goes in the hospital, he's like, if anything happens, you're going to take care of my kids. I'm like, yeah. But once he came out and he was okay – we made this big patch to go on his pack that said uh, Uniballer that he had to have that I gave him on his custom backpack. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> I did make sure he was okay before that happened. Though. Right, yeah, of course, for sure. Oh, yeah, see, I just couldn't live with that, you know. I would disappear. So I, got the, I got the wrong group of friends for that, for sure. Yeah, not to, to stop talking about the... Uh, salmon eggs and, and grub worm, but what uh, tuning wise do you guys shoot paper tune, bear shaft, group tune, a little bit of everything? I mainly paper tune and then just kind of go shoot it, really, honestly, myself. Yeah. Uh, like this past bow I set up, I paper tuned it, then I shot a bear shaft through it, it hit good, then I went to 20 and then shot my, sighted in with my normal arrow and then shot a bear shaft and then moved my rest until my bear shaft hit with my other arrow. Then I checked it back through paper, and it was still a bullet hole. Then I torque tuned it. Oh, sweet. So I would what? take sweet my bow. baby Jesus. Yeah, I know. I yeah. know. It's a curse. It's a curse. I used to win way more tournaments, and I just went out and shot groups. But 
Yeah, he's trying way too hard, man. Yeah. <laughs> Explain to everybody yeah, what I know, dude. <laughs> what torque torque tuning is, so that way they can go to their next pro shop and have them torque tune it. Okay, so yeah. torque tuning. Uh, what we figured out several years ago, me, well, Greg, and just a few of us knew it for a long time, was that I could take a bow and and pull it back and like really torque it one way and fire it, and you about miss the block target. Torque the other way, same thing. Well, you can move your rest on a, like, in and out, keeping its pitch and everything, and there's a sweet spot where you can do that and still pretty much hit the dot, torquing it pretty well as hard as you can. Just to make sure everybody understands this, he says in and out, not left and right. He's moving it back and forth, so the pivot point changes. Sorry, go ahead. Right. So there's a point there where the two, two lines meet and cross where... You can get away with a ton more torque on your bow and still hit the dot. So I can stand at 20 yards and torque mine both ways and hit the Super X right now with it. So torque pretty much becomes a non-issue at that time. Not that any of us, you know, in, in the pro class are going to torque our bows that much. It's just a peace of mind thing for me. So, yeah, I think it could really help people that torque their bow quite a bit. Well, I tried to explain this on the traditional archery side of things. Like if a boyer maybe... God, I hate to say this because I'm going to get more emails, but if if your pivot point isn't directly above the throat uh, of your grip for your arrow, it causes you, you, you're basically making sure that your torque tuning goes to hell any farther back or any farther forward. It's going to do the, what Levi was talking about. It's going to hit far left or far right. So you want that pivot point uh, right above the throat of your grip. The torque tuning thing is the same principle you just have more leeway, um, and it's actually in a completely different spot, um, generally on a compound. But it, I'll say I, tor- I had to torque tune Amy's bow. I didn't even try to explain it to her because she torques a bit, especially different. You know, she she's new, right? She gets nervous and angles, side hills, people, you know, off-cambered shots, one leg up, yeah. one down. People don't realize hunting, you can, it's a different world than a, you know, target world especially with the intensity of an animal coming in you can torque shit out of your bow and i've seen guys torquing can miss the target by two feet at 20 25 yards because your bow's coming out that erratic or your arrow's coming out that erratic yeah i agree with that so i do it not that i'll ever see any points from it but i might you know you never know i mean uh at least i know if i grab it and wrench it one way i'm still gonna hit pretty close yeah <laughs> if you have to <laughs> well, i'm super super glad justin can make fun of me for something else now <laughs> Dude, yeah, I, yeah, I was like, "What? Who is this? Who is this guy? This is Levi Morgan. I know." But yeah, this anyway, ain't, this ain't my style, by the way. I've been practicing a lot. I've been working hard. I've been spending hours tuning my stuff. Like, I ain't ever worked this hard at shooting a bow. And, and my friends are like, "I'm not talking to you, dude." Because normally I'm the guy that's like, "Don't take his bow out of the case from one shoot to the next." You know, shows up and yeah. shoots, but. I don't know, man. You just made me feel real edge. bad because, like, I, I took uh, all my bear shafts, like what you were talking about earlier, Aaron, because I just built a 3D bow, and I took all the bear shafts, shot them through paper to make them all tear the same, and I felt like that was a lot to me. I was like, oh, a lot of people do this. This takes way too much time. But, yeah. Anyway. I, I don't have to worry about a lot of that stuff anymore because I just don't have the most accurate weapon in my hand. Maybe that's why I picked it up, so I didn't have to do any of this goofy shit anymore. You still got to tune it. I told you, dude. <laughs> I told you. I told you in the beginning you were doing it to have an excuse. <laughs> it didn't work, though. <laughs> <laughs> what Levi is referring to, which I agree, is there are some stick bow shooters that do pick up the stick bow for an excuse to 
not be great shots or or harvest many animals. I think that's the technical term now, harvest, even though I'm not picking corn or anything, but harvesting is I think the right thing to say. And they're not good at they're not good harvesters. They're good triers is what they are. Right. I mostly because I have such great friends like uh, Levi and now Justin that if I didn't kill anything, the I told us so. What do they call it on Trailer Park Park Boys? I told us so's. I would have had so many I told you so's <laughs> that I wouldn't have been able to like make it. And so, thank God I do actually still kill stuff because uh, honestly, just the no, getting yeah. made fun of, I would have to probably switch back if I went a season and didn't kill anything. I don't know that I could show myself in public for quite some time. Yeah, I think I think I didn't text you back one time during that span when you were not killing anything, which is like two weeks. And then you killed something, and you sent me a picture of it. And you were like, "Can you please talk to me again?" <laughs> I killed something. <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, yeah, what's up, man?" <laughs> I think I killed that Wolverine. That's what it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, which was total yeah. blind shit house luck, but that was crazy. That was just right place, right time. No doubt, dude. I've, I've bought those tags every time I go up there in case, and I don't ever even see one. So, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, it was wild. But what uh, what I was talking about earlier, just so because I have people message me infrequently, dude, Levi hates traditional archery. You guys don't argue about that? And I'm like, believe it or not, we never talk about that. Like, occasionally he'll say something. I'm like, we, whatever. I say, like, I, I don't think he hates traditional archery, but you get hate mail from no. traditional archers that are a-holes, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I don't hate traditional archery at all. I think it's freaking awesome, What you know, because I don't have the balls to go do that. Uh, but the problem is, when I get moral slap on the wrist from guys that shoot longbows, I, I can't deal with that. Like, you mean you shot a deer at 80 yards? That's unethical. You know, and I'm like, what? And, and then, like, the conversation will go on, and I find out they're a traditional hunter, and I can shoot better groups at 100, and they can shoot at 20. But yet they'll shoot at a deer at 35 with a longbow. I'm like, look, I I don't need I don't need your lecture on ethics, you know. And that's what I don't understand is like we're hunting and shooting stuff with sharp points. It's not real ethical anyway, you know. It's hunting. It's just a brutal game. And so uh, I just I don't understand that argument, I guess. And so I just. Yeah, you'll hear me make fun of it every now and then. I'll give my buddies a hard time to do it like you. I don't hate it. I think it's pretty awesome to go out and, and take a chance on an animal of a life getting lifetime getting by you shooting a, a traditional bow. I ain't going to do it, you know. So, But I just don't understand some of the arguments they make about, you know, I'm unethical because I, I shoot an animal at, at 80 yards. That's what got me shooting a stick bow as I did the, uh, I mean, God forbid, the, you know, voice of reason come into play and you use mass and you figure out a bow shooting 160 feet per second um, and a bow shooting 300 feet per second where each yardage marries up, you know, 28 according to 68 or whatever. And then the accuracy, um, I just got told a bunch that I was a horrible hunter and using technology and I wouldn't kill anything. So I'm like, all right, well, I guess I'll show you guys. I'm a very goal-oriented guy. Well, now like that, the presentation I gave was about that. Like, does it really do good for traditional archery to, um, you know, bash, you know, one of the more well-known guys to ever hold a bow in his hand? Probably not. Probably not good for traditional archery to do that. And again, it'd be different if you guys sucked, but 
you, I wouldn't want you shooting at me at 80, and I guarantee I will pick many, many trad shooters to shoot at me at 25 before I'm like, hey, Justin, Levi, right. you want to wing a couple arrows at me, see if I can dodge them? Yeah, I, it, and I don't think people look at it that way. Yeah, I, look, I, I am all for any, you know, traditional hunting. That's, that's awesome. More, more animals for me to go after. You know, I, I love all traditional hunters. I don't like people yelling at me for stuff that, that trying to put their limits on me. That's the whole thing. I don't care what you shoot. If you want to go shoot with a slingshot, that's what you want to hunt with, more power to it. I'm going to hunt with my compound because I like to kill stuff. Yeah. That's me. I mean, I, I just do me, and I think sometimes I'm, I'm a little too outspoken about things, but I don't have any, like, hard feelings towards the traditional community at all. I, I think it's cool. I think it takes a lot of work and uh if if you're doing it for the right reasons i love it you know i just don't like sometimes i feel like they look down their nose at me you know yeah and i don't like yeah, the way sure. it makes me feel. you know they're like oh yeah you're using sights and a scope and a peep of course i could hit a quarter at 100 yards if i, I used a 30 inch stabilizer too you know that I've, I've actually got that message i've heard exactly that exact same thing and it's like well actually no you can't and my thing I will get messages that I'm talking down about traditional archery right now. I'm not. It is fact. I know many guys that can't hit a stop sign consistently at 25 yards. I don't care. You know, that's your deal, you know, but right. but the being accurate with it, one, is very achievable out to 40-plus yards. I mean, Brady just shot a 900. His out of sight on it, but whatever, right? You can be accurate like Dimmer and Dillinger. Those guys are lethal. You You can be accurate with one. My thing is, is why would I complain if you invite me or we go on a hunt together? Why would I complain about the, the equipment you have? I've chosen to shoot this piece of equipment. I'm not going to complain. And because if I, I can, I, it's, you know, we're in America. I'll just shoot a compound, right? If I'm going to complain about the one, it's all legal. So I've chosen it. I chose it for certain reasons and move forward and stop bitching about it. Cause I mean, you're the one that picked it or at least that's how I look at it anyway. Right. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. I mean, but you can be lethal. It's not an excuse in my opinion. I mean, traditional hunters can be Look at you, dude. You kill like 40 animals a year with a recurve. I mean, you can, if you put the time in, I don't care what you shoot. If it's a recurve, a compound, whatever. If you put the work in, you can be really efficient with anything. So, I mean, to me, there's really not an excuse to not be an efficient hunter. I mean, obviously, traditional hunting is way harder. Way. And I just ain't about that. You know, it's hard enough for me already. I, I'm a big dude. I don't hide very well. So I like to be able to shoot good. You know? <laughs> I, I Totally, I know what's going to happen now is guys are going to send me messages about uh, well, you get to hunt more than everyone else, and I do, but I am, you know, yeah. before somebody comes up with an excuse, I don't come home very often without shooting something. It happens, but instead of go, going back to my construction days where I went on five or six hunts a year, I'm still I'm still able to capitalize on every opportunity I have for the most part, meaning and this isn't like a giving me accolades, it's just saying I'm not killing the amount of stuff I am because of my schedule alone, I'm effective when I go out as, as much as I can be, meaning if I go on three hunts, I'm generally going to kill three animals. And it, I, I tell that to guys because it's like if you only get one week a year and you want to shoot a stick bow, you have a, you can be very lethal with that thing. You're not going to be quite as accurate, uh, you know, or the distance with a compound, but if you've chosen it, don't give up all hope. You can still kill shit with it. You do just have to work harder is all it is. And, I mean, it's a personal choice. So don't bitch yeah. about somebody else that – 
doesn't choose to use that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I mean, there's so much freaking arguing and stuff between little clicks and hunting. It just blows my mind. That's why I, I try to just stay out of it. I hunt because I have fun hunting, and I don't need I don't need that kind of negativity. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I know you're a huge proponent of extreme FOC too, um, which I I know that you've preached oh, preached yeah, to everyone. You know it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if I hadn't have grown up shooting hot 50s and cool 30 points, I probably would be. But I know how accurate I can be with a 50-grain nib, son, so I, I, ain't, I ain't on that train. <laughs> I was laughing talking about this was uh, those 50-grain hot points you could fart and dent them. Um, I used to shoot 23-12 with 50-grain yeah. hot points, and when Duravanes got big, three 1.75 Duravanes on super swedges, and – I, I think I won the Colorado Outdoor with 2312s because I was too poor to go by an actual field arrow. I went through a lot of them, and then I shot those stupid dry-firing green Ultranox because Randy Omer shot them. I was probably copying him. Oh, yeah, the, the, the tuna the knocks. Tu- yeah, the tuna knocks, and you could fart and those would break. They were not durable. Oh, yeah. I think they built them just to the make The most them. Robin Hood susceptible <laughs> knock of all time, dude. I used to think I was the baddest shooter in the world. I'd Robin Hood an arrow a day with them tuning Well, and I, 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 I remember when every bike used to have uh, grip ends on the handlebars and pegs or, or whatever. That, and yeah. then they're not cool anymore. That was the tuna knock. They were cool, and then they just kind of went away. And I remember Ran, Randy yeah. cutting the end of his knocks off off of Easton's before the tuna knock came out. I didn't have the patience for that shit with a hacksaw and, and a knock and a grinder to get my. But you did gain two feet per second. You just also lost about three hundred bucks a year in Robin Hoods. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, but you you just described my whole childhood with those old swedgebacks and duravanes and hot fifties. And see, we built our targets when I was a kid out of chicken wire. So it was like a four by four frame with chicken wire, and then you put cardboard and old blankets and rags and stuff behind it. And if you hit that wire with a hot 50, it would literally split it down the middle. Yep. You had to hit between the wires, you know. They were soft. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, going down memory lane here. Because I, I remember, I actually talked about this yesterday, the, f- the first tournament I ever went to was in Catalina State Park. It was a Cabela shoot. And I thought I was good at the time. And Pal- I was with uh, Bill Pellegrino, and he had, I think – Connor, Alan Connor, the Buckmaster dude, and then Jeff Hopkins was there, which at that time, Jeff was you or vice versa, right? Jeff was winning everything. This was probably like 2000, maybe, so 2001. And a couple other dudes, and I remember I, I was a walking bear, and I shot and I hit right out the top of the 12, and I was like, thank God I did not look stupid on this. And then I think there was four 12s and one 10, and I was the only 10, and I'm like, Man, I'm going to have to gain weight to play punter. This is a different league that I am not prepared for. Holy shit. And everybody was shooting 23 or 25 12s or 22 12s with hot 50s and super swedges. Everybody had basically the same setup at that time. And those guys, I mean, that's some of the most accurate. It's accurate you can get. So when I – I mean, what's different with the stick bow a little bit, totally different weapon, but I had one guy trying to set up a 3D – bow with 225 up front and i'm like why well well, it's a rock and when you throw the rock it the rock pulls the string and i'm like yeah i know all that shit dude but you do not need 225 up front for it what about high winds i'm like where are you shooting with dorothy and toto i'm like jesus christ what kind of winds are you expecting (laughs) to shoot (laughs) yeah i mean some of the best scores i ever shot was with 
sub 100 grain points, you know, it's accurate. And I get it for hunting, a little better penetration, stuff like that, heavier points. But, I mean, for accuracy reasons, the FOC is really nothing. And in the compound world, I mean, unless you just forget to put a point in your arrow, you can shoot pretty accurate. Well, and I, I mean, it does buck the wind a little better. So I always, you know, like yeah. try to explain to people for a hunting area, for, a hunting arrow for me, you know, for a compound, it's 175 up front, generally 100 or 125 grain point and a 50 grain brass insert, you know, and that gives you 13 to 15% FOC. And I just started measuring this shit because it's been cut such a crisis across the industry. And I'm like, when people are asking me, I'm like, I don't know what my FOC is. I just know the bow shoot's good. That's quite a bit more important than a number that my FOC's at. I just know it's accurate. And and trying to get people to wrap their head around that can be difficult. Yeah, I think, yeah, you know, I remember, the, the, go ahead, Jeff. No, sorry. Um, I remember when we first did the first podcast, and it's your place, Aaron. Um, I never met you, and you asked me what my FOC was on my hunting bow, and I instantly broke out like a cold sweat. I was like, oh, my God, I'm about to look like an idiot in front of this guy. <laughs> so I was like, I have no idea, dude. I was like, I just put 50-grain insert and 100-grain point and, you know, roll with it. And you were like, yeah, that's, that's what I did. I don't know anyway, but I just thought that was funny. Yeah. yeah. No, it's the same, same deal. It. Yeah. I mean, I think the standard in tournaments, most everybody shoots between a 120 and a 150 in the front. I shoot a 170 because I can, because I got a 31-inch draw and I'm shooting 72 pounds. Obviously, if I can go heavier in a point, I will, but there's a happy medium there, too. You know, I think anything over 170 is a little much, you know, for a tournament. And, And this is where common sense comes into play. I should mention some of these guys have a whopping 27-inch draw, and at that point, you know, you're lobbing logs, and then they're like, well, you, you always talk about this. You range find everything, and I'm like, yeah, but let, there's a happy medium with everything. Like, you don't need that. Like, you're not hunting Cape Buffalo with a 27-inch draw. You're shooting freaking whitetails. Let's face it, it doesn't take a whole lot to go through a whitetail, and so, you know, there's— right. Happy medium speed, weight, point weight, total air weight, all that stuff. And I mean, what I try to, I'm like, why don't you go ahead and put a 14 inch vein on there then? I mean, it'll steer better. You know, it's like there's a happy medium. Yeah, I mean, my wife shoots a 26 inch draw and a 350 grain arrow with a two inch expandable blow through a whitetail. You know, so like, what what are you looking for? You know, I mean, I guess if you're deer hunting. So, yeah, yeah. Well, I can't wait to see the messages I get over that statement. Yeah, well, Amy just shot that. Well, we bought her two avails. I called you and asked you, and you said, hey, Samantha loves them. And so, and it, she does shoot that bow better than she was bear shafting 50 yards, shooting groups at 50 and dropping the bear shaft in there. And I'm like, she's like, is that good? Because she doesn't know shit from apple butter, right? She, she has no, like, yeah, people. <laughs> Work a long time to shoot that good, and she's just boom, flinging them in the garage or in the driveway. I'm like, honey, we're not touching that bow. And she's like, is this is that yeah. a good thing? And I'm like, we we will never touch that bow ever. Like, we'll just to check yeah. it. And she put she put a a wide cut iron wheel through that man. Those outdads are beefy. Threw its ass and went eight inches up into the stomach with a 400 grain arrow and 46 pounds. And uh, blew, yeah. I mean, that's pretty solid work considering. I mean, the ass cheek's pretty obviously beefy, and she ripped right through the whole thing. So, not oh, that yeah, want, for sure. Not that you want to aim at the ass, but I'm glad she liked that little bow because I don't like when people ask me what bow to buy because I feel like if they suck, with, you know, that <laughs> bow sucks that they buy that they're never going to ask me for for uh, 
advice again, but Samantha does love her, so I'm glad to hear that. But yeah, I mean, you just don't need. It just goes to show you. I mean, it is if you can do it, do it. But if you got a 27 inch draw, I mean, my God, you can't shoot a 600 grain arrow. No, you catch them out of the air. Yeah. Well, fellas, we probably should quit taking up your time. We've been on almost a, an hour and a half. Um, but man, I, I appreciate um, everything from both of you guys. And I, I do have to mention, Justin, I had no idea I was old enough to be your father. Uh, how old are you? 24? I'm 20, 22, yeah. Jesus Christ on his throne. I could not believe that. But you had the manly beard going on. But you told me that, and immediately yeah. I felt old as shit. Um, I've got you up by 20 yeah. years. 21 years. No. Dude, uh, we were elk hunting, and I got my feelings hurt because I always, everybody says I look older, but that Joe guy, our guide, he was sitting there, he was like, yeah, like you and you and his age, like, more than me and Levi. I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Well, like, no, no, he's old. Like, I'm like, I'm 22, and he's like 32, so easy. But no, it's, yeah. it's just funny. Uh, <laughs> well, I can't, I can't wait to see yeah. what you look like at 50, Joe. <laughs> I know, yeah. I'll look 80. Maybe you'll be like George Strait. You'll go backwards. You'll get hotter. You never know. Yeah, Yeah, you don't know. You could be. Wasn't Benjamin Button from down your neck of the woods? You could have the Benjamin Button (laughs) syndrome. You never know. (laughs) Man, that is is a Justin Button. That's your new nickname for us. You're going to be Justin Button. Yeah, (laughs) old Button. (laughs) <laughs> Thanks, I'll have that for, from now on the rest of my life. Best, but if it's the cold, best jawline in archery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, you don't want to be called Button if it's cold because it's going to have a total different meaning. Like, <laughs> calling you Button, <laughs> going to get a complex. Uh, well, on that note, you. before you all hate me, I probably should get off here. But uh, I, you know, I appreciate everything, and I appreciate everything you guys do for the, for the archery community. And where can people find you at to come uh, insta-stalk you? And especially if you're a trad archer, send your messages to Levi. Oh, boy. Uh, I'm at uh, bowlife underscore Levi on Instagram and then just bowlife TV on Facebook. Uh, that's pretty much where you'll find me. And then our TV shows on Wednesday nights on the Sportsman's channel. Yeah, um, and I'm uh, Justin Hanna underscore 97 on Insta. And then just Justin Hanna on Facebook if anybody wants to send any hate mail. It's, uh, it's yeah, H-A- H-A- my hate mail to him. <laughs> H-A-N-N-A. H-A-N-N-A-H, yeah. A-H, gotcha. Well, cool, fellas. I appreciate everything, and uh, hopefully we can do this again at some point. Maybe we'll get uh, an Dad hunt in or something in the off season. Heck yeah. I love to, man. I appreciate it. Yep, no problem. Take it easy, guys. Thanks, Thank you, too, man.